Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Anya Crittenden, a writer for Gay Star News, and with me are my two fabulous co-hosts. I'm Hwai Chen Yu, a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in D.C. And I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. So, three days ago, one of the best sitcoms on TV aired its season two finale and proved that comedy can be both optimistic and uh, hopeful, as well as thought-provoking and challenging. I'm talking about... The, the Big good- Bang Theory. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> the Good Place, one of our yeah. favorite shows on TV, and probably, as Anya would say, the best show on TV right now. I think I think it... I think we can safely say it has that title right now. It's definitely in my this favorite moment. show. Definitely. Yeah. And it's a show that's been slowly gaining sort of a cult status because more people have been discovering its first season on Netflix. And uh, I don't think the season one finale had as much sort of uproar as the season two finale did this time around. Right. But now people, there was like my entire Twitter feed was taken over by uh, – People it's definitely way more in the zeitgeist than yeah. season like season one was critically acclaimed. Everyone who was watching it loved it, but now more people are on board and it's becoming more of a mass I like, think it, show. I think it's a Netflix thing because like when Breaking Bad uh, hit Netflix, a lot of people were was watching it because AMC doesn't have a really good way of uh, showing their television uh, streaming their uh, television shows, so <clears throat> they have a deal with Netflix that their their shows will go on. Netflix and so everyone started watching Mad Men more and watching Netflix uh Breaking Bad so like that's how they do it so I think the same thing happened here with The Good Place yeah and we- it happens with the CW it happens a lot of networks have deals with Netflix now and I feel like it's really helping them out mm-hmm. and so- I really like Netflix and CW because it's just like a week after the finale mm-hmm. so like if if you're especially on like a 13 episode show like if you're if you missed it you'll catch it really mm-hmm. really soon so we are the one of the few, I guess, who've been watching The Good Place since the beginning, yeah. uh, when it first started airing. I think I remember one of our first episodes, we were talking about our most anticipated TV shows of the year, yeah. and me and Anya both named The Good Place, even though I was unsure about how far that they could carry that premise. I was in the same boat as you. Yeah. So let's talk about that I think we all were. Premise. Yeah. Because the thing because, is, like, let's, yeah, can we talk about the premise of The Good Place? Yeah. Well, I was going to mention, um, first off, we should mention that, like, we were all pretty excited for it, I think, because of the team behind it. Like, mm-hmm. even before... Like, we were just excited because it's from Mike Schur, who started on The Office, creator of Parks and Rec, co-creator of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So, like, he has a really good track record. Mm-hmm. So we were all like, okay, yeah. Mike Schur, Kristen Bell, Ted Danson, let's give it a try. Yeah, I saw the pilot early at Comic-Con. Yeah, I saw the full pilot there, and I was like, man, that was hilarious. Where on earth are they going to go? Ha, so, it's funny because they're not on earth. Um, let's talk about the what the, the Good Place is about. Yeah. So The Good Place... And this is, is spoilers. Created, yeah. Well, The Good Place is created by Mike yeah. Schur. Oh, okay. And is about Kristen Bell's character, Eleanor, who wakes up to find herself uh, dead and in the supposed Good Place. And she meets uh, this character um, played by Ted Danson, who is a sort of benevolent... Uh, guide so divine to the good guide, place? yes, to the good place. And she realizes that she does not belong here. She is all her life had been sort of a selfish, terrible person. And she enlists the help of her soulmate, Chidi, played by 
Michael, oh, what's his name? William Jackson Harper. William, William Jackson. Jackson Harper. William Jackson Harper uh, to help her learn about ethics and become a better person. And so after the season one finale of The Good Place, they totally switched that premise up after a big revelation that they are not, in fact, in the good place, but in the bad place, um, this TV show's version of hell, essentially. And they were in an illusory sort of uh, neighborhood where they were sent to essentially torture each other, the, the four humans that lived there. So that was Eleanor, Chidi, Tahani, who was a rich socialite and who was very pretentious, and Jason, who was a dumb DJ from Florida. But he had a, a similar situation, in, at least in the first scenario of The Good Place, that uh, the, the Good Place uh, thought he was a monk, uh, to, like a Tibetan monk or something, and they like had him like be silent the entire time, but mm. that was like his curse, because like, yeah. he's a very talkative man. So um, season two starts with this reboot, essentially, where... Um, the where Ted Danson's character essentially starts it all over, and um, but they keep getting found out by Eleanor and the and the rest of her group. And one time, Jason found out. Yes. So the good place is amazing in that it really goes against all sort of tropes and expectations we have of sitcoms. With a sitcom, essentially, we usually have uh, one. It's a situational comedy. It's one situation, one setting, uh, with a set group of people with all the same dynamics. And we we have a couple of stories that switch it up every now and then. But as it always goes back to the same um, sort of place towards the end of the episode. For example, Cheers. Mm-hmm. The first season of Cheers never left the bar. It was always in the bar. Like there was never. Wait, like a... literally never. Like for the like first season, every single scene was in the bar. Yeah. There's never a moment wow. where they leave the bar, at least in the first season. In the second, after the first sec- season, they, they, um, like the first scene of season two is in Diane's apartment. But, um, the entire first season of, of Cheers takes place only in the Cheers bar. Wow. You know, different, set different rooms of the Cheers bar. Like there's the, uh, um, the, like the, like the back room where they play pool and whatnot, but like, or, uh, um, Ted Danson's office. But for the most part, it's all in the main, like, bar area. And it's, like, I didn't notice it until, like, 17 episodes into the first season. I was like, wait a minute. I've never seen – they haven't shown anything outside the bar yet. That's kind of amazing. Like, that's, the only that's thing that's outside is, is, like, the uh, like the, the the fake, like, uh, um, outside. Like, yeah, uh, I'm actually kind of impressed show. by that more than anything else. Yeah, yeah it's like, it's, it's the kind of, like, classic sitcom – you know, thing where like no one really grows except un- until unless you have eleven seasons of growth, which Ted Danson did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of fascinating. I tweeted about this, but it's fascinating that Ted Danson goes from being uh, the star of one of the most traditional American sitcoms in history, mm-hmm. and to being on one of the most groundbreaking sitcoms in television history. Mm-hmm. I think. And that's the thing is that The Good Place is basically reinventing what a sitcom can be. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why we all love it so much is that it is it is groundbreaking. Like, not only is it clever and entertaining and the cast is so good, but, like, I've never seen a sitcom like this. You know, it's interesting. We were kind of saying the same thing to play devil's advocate about community a couple of years ago and how it really upended our ideas of what a sitcom could be. Although it didn't play into the... 
it kind of had different sort of gimmicks every yeah, couple episodes. Yeah, there were gimmick episodes. But we still had sort of that same uh, traditional setting of the study room and everything like that. Yeah. Everything kind of would, would flash back to normal. But the characters would still be different. Yeah. I think that's the thing is that with the community took that first step in changing the game. Mm-hmm. And then the, now The Good Place is doing it, but in a, in a plot. In a in, uh, in a plot centric way too, because with community, they uh, there were all, I mean almost every episode was a one off episode. Mm-hmm. There was never really I mean there was like longer plots th- of character development, but for the most part, it was just about getting through like the episode. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the good place, it's like well like the stakes are so much higher because if if they if they are found out by the bad place and what and you because know, they you know they they're like on the run. Then the bad place are going to send them to the the real bad place and really and get tortured. Th- yeah, and that's the thing. And it's like it's not really life and death since they're dead. It's more about torture or. But it's like, but not. it's like these are like the highest stakes I've ever seen in a sitcom. It's the highest stakes, but at the same time, it doesn't quite feel so dire all the time. Just yes. because the tone is almost irreverent, the mm-hmm. characters are so lighthearted and so fun and warm. That it never feels like you're watching something incredibly heavy, like what we're kind of describing right now. Right, but the moments yeah. that the, the moments that punctuate the show, like when Michael sacrificed himself mm-hmm. for Eleanor to get to the judge, that was a powerful moment. Yeah, but but all at the same time, like the next moment is like, are these is is the judge really a burrito? Oh hail burrito! Oh hail mighty burrito! Yeah. We come in good grace. Oh no, it's just Maya Rudolph. She's a judge, and that was her burrito. Like, there's a lot of like. I mean, the show does, it just does it so well where there are powerful moments, like, like heavy moments, but it's, you know, it's still, it's, a, comedy. It's still a comedy. It never loses its fact, the fact that it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. And we should talk also about how, um, I guess in light of the season two finale and the comparisons it's drawing to another great TV show that we all love, uh, despite popular opinion, Lost. Lost, which has a great ending finale, mm-hmm. which yes, we've talked about. It deals with a lot of the similar themes with Lost, except instead of um, revolving around the central question like Lost did of uh, faith versus science, it revolves around the central question of can is humanity can humanity change to be good, mm-hmm. um, which is a really interesting question that you could that to be posed in a sitcom, and uh, it does it extraordinarily well, especially in the last, the season two finale that we saw. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go into sort of the plot details of the season two finale. Go for it. So um, after the thousands of reboots that the Good Place team went through and Michael attempted to try to get them to torture each other, he ended up going on their side in season two and trying to find a way to appeal to the greater powers that be uh, that maybe their system is flawed and that humanity can change. And uh, at the season two finale, she appeals to the judge, played by Maya Rudolph, as Willoughby said. And they basically, all four of the human characters end up alive again back on Earth. But probably not on reality. Or real, or real right. Earth. There's probably some there's, sort of um, there's, simulation. There's a question about whether or not they really are yeah. back on Earth. And basically, given like, the circumstances where they had like a life or like a sudden uh, almost death situation. Right. Like instead of dying for real, they are. Um, they have a near death experience. A near death experience. So for Eleanor, instead of the uh, instead of being run over by the shopping carts, she's saved by we can only assume Michael. 
Huh. Actually, we don't know. A, it was just a mysterious character. We don't know if it was Michael True, per but... se. It was kind of like a more Jacob sort of character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I had assumed it was Michael, but... Me too, because like, just to change things up, like he's the only one that could actually do that. Yeah, I think it was just like a random character to get them to mm-hmm. sort of... That makes sense, not, too. Yeah, not pin any sort of emotional attachment to them. Mm-hmm. And so she actually ends up trying to be good and trying to better improve herself. But then after a couple of months and a lot of suffering <laughs> from like real life setbacks, she ends up reverting back to her, her natural ways. So it's a really interesting, um, examination of what it takes to, you know, try to be good and try to, uh, better oneself and whether that's really possible. But at the end, it also comes down to sort of like this question of fate as well. Cause, mm-hmm. Well, cause what yeah. it is, is it's this, it's the flash sideways from Lost mm-hmm. where instead of the island, they just have a little bit of turbulence yeah. and get there, go and get to LAX. And it's interesting because the good place posits that the best place to examine humanity is not on some isolated island, but on earth itself right without a moral reward that's the, i think that's the phrase that they were using was like if they don't know what the reward is can will they still be good yeah yeah so good for good god this things, is like. so fun yeah and it's it's definitely i've never seen a show a sitcom at least or even even a drama a prestige drama that really delves into moral philosophies or, or ethical philosophy, which is really fascinating. I remember reading about, learning about the um, the trolley problem in school and mm-hmm. seeing, it's really fascinating seeing that applied to entertainment, essentially. Mm-hmm. And like Lost definitely had moral, like... Quandries. Moral quandries and philosophy, uh, especially between faith and science. Like mm-hmm. that was the whole conceit, like you said earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like they... the. They did it in broad strokes where I feel like, I mean, a lot of the characters, particularly Chidi, they reference like the moral philosophers of like like Nietzsche and Kant and all those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good. I think one of the big things for me is like we're talking about all the plot and stuff, but like, which is so well, it's so well done. Mike Schur and his team, like all the props to them, the fact that they made this work and that it's continuing to go and we're all still hooked. But for me, what really gets to me is the characters. Oh, definitely. Like, sure. there's not a character that I dislike in this show. I love all of them. Like, I might have my favorites, Cheaty, <laughs> but <laughs> Cheaty and Eleanor, guys. Hot diggity dog. Hot diggity dog. I'm I so it. excited about them. Especially because, like, going back to the cleverness of the writing, like when Chidi was talking to Eleanor when they were in the good place and he was like, I could have fallen for you. Like had we met in a normal way, like you come knocking on my door to ask about philosophy. And, and now that's around. exactly what she did. Oh. I love Chidi and Eleanor. So um, I do think this oh. cast is insane. Yeah. They're amazing. And uh, Tahani's actress, uh, Jamil, Jamila, Got her, I forgot her name. Uh, Jamila Jamil. Jamila or, Jamil. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She has never acted before um, this show, and she is astonishing in this. It's, she's a really good comedic timing. Yeah, I need to say, if you want to see like Jamila before The Good Place, she did a celebrity version of The Great British Bake Off. <laughs> they did it for Red Nose Day, and she it was like four celebrities. It was her <laughs> and Michael Sheen. And two others. And she was known then as just being a radio DJ in England. Oh, interesting. Yeah, she was like a yeah. announcer sort of person. Public yeah, and so people oh. knew her over there. She was like on the Celebrity British Bake Off, but like she had never acted before. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. But you can tell like I was watching this and I was like, she is 
so funny, like just genuinely funny. I'm so excited she was like she got this part because she has so much talent. And, and they then, all do, really. Um, and then there's Manny Jacinto, who is the Filipino actor playing uh, Jason Mendoza, who is incredibly charming and so funny. And there's a really distinct thread of very specific Florida humor going on here. Yes. Like, especially with Blake Bortles, that I never really got up until Blake Bortles and the Jaguars actually started making making some ground in the Super Bowl. And I was like, oh, this is actually a real person and not something that, <laughs> J- that Jason just it randomly sounds, yells. Honestly, it sounds like a fake name. It does. Blake it does Bortles. I was talking to um, Ben Pearson with Slash Film. He just started watching The Good Place 2 on Netflix. And he's from Florida. So he was like, there is definitely a writer here who is from, from Florida or Jacksonville, Florida. And mm-hmm. is just like putting all of these very specific Jacksonville, Florida jokes in here. But only a few, a select few will watch or will understand. Uh, shout out, by the way, to um, Mike Silingo, who was also the guest on this podcast before and is from Florida, a Filipino from Florida. And when he saw Jason was like, that's my brother. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, he was saying that when we when he was in DC the other day. Yeah, um, we haven't even talked about Janet. Janet, Darcy, Janet, Darcy, um, Darcy Carden, Carden, Carden. Yeah, she's also incredibly funny. She's the sort of Siri of the group, but right. she's, she's sort like of... a real, she's like a per, like a being. Like... Yeah, but then she ends up evolving because of all the uh, multiple reboots mm-hmm. and is more than more than just a. A helpful being now she's right. something she's, beyond that right she's like she has sure self-awareness yeah because yeah. like to, to reboot each good place he has to kill her mm-hmm. or to re it does something to her um she has such a cheerful buoyant performance to her and it's all it's always so funny it's the that's the thing about i love about the good place is that they never um laugh down they never punch down right it's yes. always just really funny really smart but really happy humor yeah i guess you would say and like even when darcy is playing bad janet Mm -hmm. it's so funny yeah she's i love that she can go between the two and it's hilarious but yeah and i mean that's a trademark of mike sure you know his comedy never punches down and it's one of the reasons i love him so much and the fact that he can take this show about moral philosophy and like being good and hell and heaven and stuff and he's still making it he's still making like fart jokes sometimes and like just having genuinely nice humor and with really good uh empathize sympathetic characters and i think definitely the characters are the big selling point of the show anya because without these strong consistent characters that we really connect to every day um this the premise would not work because it changes up its premise so much that you really need to have some sort of anchor a constant ah <laughs> oh. A constant to keep you hooked. And those, that's where the characters come in. And, uh, they all have their flaws because, you know, they are in the good place, the, the bad place after all. But because they have such like. Like Chidi's indecisiveness. Chidi's indecisiveness, Eleanor's uh, selfishness, uh, Tahani's pretentiousness, Jason's stupidity. But they still have such good qualities that really keep you coming back. Mm-hmm. And uh, we haven't really talked a lot about Michael as a character. We've talked about Ted Danson as, a, as like, a legend. But I really like the fact that he's, like, essentially a demon who develops, like, human feelings. Yeah. There's a really interesting article I read on Vulture from Angelica Bastion, who's talking about Ted Danson's performance in The Good Place and how he really gets to the core of what 
it's like to be experiencing like these human emotions for the first time. Like he approaches it from like a really almost innocent perspective in which he's like completely uh, new and uh, unfamiliar with these myriad of emotions that humans experience. And he's like a babe sort of walking for the first time. And Michael is just like, is really that. He's dealing with these more gray emotions that he hasn't dealt with before as a demon. And it's a great performance. It's it's very it's layered. Yeah. I was so excited when he won at the Critics' Choice Awards, I think, mm-hmm. because I feel like this show definitely deserves like awards attention um, for its writing and also for its cast. And so I was really happy when he won because he is fantastic. Because what happened is that Michael goes from being like almost an angelic character in the in the first season when you don't know that the good place is not the good place. Mm-hmm. And he's like your guide, your mentor. Like he's like helping you. Like facil- he's the fa- like the, the facilitator mm-hmm. of the entire um, place. Uh, and then all of a sudden you discover, oh, no, he's the big bad. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, no, he's not the big bad. There's Mark Evan Jackson who's the big bad. Yeah. And then um, – He's a naughty bitch. He's a- <laughs> I chose the I chose the form of a forty five year old white man for only one reason. I can only fail up, and like he, so good. he he's he's so good at line delivery. But mm-hmm. but so he goes from being like the antagonist in a split second from being like protagonist or one of the protagonists to being an antagonist, mm-hmm. and then suddenly and now he's now he's become Spike in in later seasons. <laughs> Excuse me, of Buffy, where he's learning to be more human. Yeah, and it's amazing the amount of character development you can have in this show, especially when it's almost, it's essentially been rebooted twice, mm-hmm. where with each reboot, that basically erases all forms of character development that we've had before. And it's something we actually have seen a lot in sitcoms where people don't evolve beyond like their um, basic state. For example, Ted Danson and Cheers. Mm-hmm. After Diane leaves in, uh, Season five of Cheers, he goes back to his like womanizing ways. Really? Yeah. That's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of depressing. A little bit. He like, reverts but, back. He reverts back, but gone. then but then Kirstie Alley comes on the show and is kind of they're not so much a romantic lead, they're not so much a, a love interest to each other, but more like just like like a deep friendship is built between the two of them. Um and he definitely he he and then he starts to go back to being like more normal. Interesting. But it's like it's very fascinating that I I love Ted Danson's career. It's so fascinating to me, especially with the, with the Good Place. Yeah. But yeah, so like his character is now like learning to be good, and so the fact that he sacrificed himself to get the four characters to uh, um, Team Cockroach, I believe they're called. Uh, oh yes, sorry, team, I was, I call them the Good Place team, but I guess they're Team Cockroach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they get they get to go to the and he's appealing for to the judge for them mm-hmm. on their behalf. It's so wonderfully interesting. Yeah. I also want to give a shout out to like, obviously we talk about like the big like plot arcs in the show, but also the smaller moments of comedy and just like the references. Like you were talking about like Blake Bortles and stuff. I feel like this writing team has so much fun. Like one of the writers is on Twitter. I forget her name. Megan Amram? Yes. And she tweeted one day all the alternate like restaurant titles the for, puns oh yeah yeah the puns for like one of the good place reboots when it was like all clam chowder restaurants or like all pasta restaurants and i just imagine them sitting there and thinking of all the most absurd puns and references to like real life they can think of like the episode where michael's like talking about friends the whole episode oh yeah that's so good <laughs> like i love just like the little bits too where they're just like we're just gonna have this like one little reference throwaway line but like it's gonna crack everyone up 
Yeah, it's just so fun. Humor is just so fun and whip smart with every line of dialogue. There's a reason that No Context Good Place Twitter is the best No Context Twitter, I think. Right. It's because it's just, it's, you don't need any context yeah. to, to laugh at what Because it marries this sort of like existential dread with comedy, and that's why it's just so funny because I mean, it's so relatable. There's literally that one episode where, where Michael has an existential crisis. Yes. And he's like, birth is a curse and death is what? I can't remember what it's called. Uh, birth, life is a prison, or birth is a curse and, and life, life is, is a, a prison. prison. Yeah, and it's like him, but he's also like partying it up yeah. while he says it. So like the screenshot of that is like Ted dancing with his sleeves rolled up and it, like a, a tear, like a tie on his in his hair, yeah. and like a like sunglasses on. He's like, birth is a curse and life is a prison. And it's like yeah. so. Ridiculous. It's fantastic. The humor is so relatable that every line is instantly meme material. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say there's no line that's like. A throw like every line has a purpose, whether it's for like humor or the plot or something. Like every line is so well thought out, mm-hmm. like and we were, delivered. We were talking about this offline, where there's really no filler episodes to this show because it's th- it's twelve episode, thirteen episode, twelve seasons, or twelve episodes. Episode. Thirteen. Thirteen. So like each, there, it's not a full twenty two or twenty four that we've known from sitcoms like Brooklyn Nine Nine or mm-hmm. Parks and Rec, um, where there will be filler episodes where nothing really excels the plot but it's like a good episode yeah with the with the good place it's all plot and character and humor yeah like there's really no episode where nothing happens it's interesting because i also don't feel like it's a completely plot driven show you well know? yeah because the characters themselves are so like mm-hmm. central to it that even yeah. when like the, the episode moves so quickly you're just like kind of along for the ride yeah because the characters are just the same way but i i definitely think that there's more plot in this sitcom than most sitcoms mm-hmm. and but and that's why i notice it more but if you're looking at like the first season of the good place like we were talking about, is a little aimless where you're like not sure where things are going because mm-hmm. it's Eleanor learning to be better with mo- like taking moral philosophy lessons from Chidi, trying to not be caught by Michael and like the rest of the good place. It's like she's not really here, but then like that is all upended. So like, and then there's the whole discussion of the medium place, which is really fascinating. And mm-hmm. they and now they're like on their way to the legitimate real good place to be like in the good place. Mm-hmm. I'm so curious, like if if and when we'll ever see, like, the actual good place. I'm sure we will one day, but, like, what it's actually going to look like. I hope I hope Nick Offerman is God. That would be amazing. I wanted Nick Offerman to be the judge, but I will so take I Maya Rudolph to I was I was betting on Amy Poehler, actually. Oh, my God, Amy Poehler is, is, it needs to be in the show. Yeah. I would say, I feel like we need to have just a whole Parks and Rec reunion at yes. one point in this series. Like, mm-hmm. Amy Poehler has to have a role at somewhere. Yeah. She can be, like, the good place master or something. <laughs> like the good place version of Michael? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or no, of, um, what's Mark Evan Jackson's character's name? Oh, I, I don't, Sean. 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 She can be, like, the good place version of Sean. Yeah. Yeah. I want. Which would be so fun. And then, but then, like, what would it be? Would it actually be, like, what we saw in season one? Or would it be, like, different? Would it be, like, you know how in the, you know how the bad place is, like, an old, like, 70s office 80s office that's like very drab very drab poorly lit like big windows a lot of natural life but it's still dark i want the good place to be a like a google type place i was just gonna say it should be like a google campus like google like a fun campus i can see that where everyone's like hey or like grizzle from parks and rec season seven where everyone's like hey guys take a seat on the yoga seat grizzle oh my god i love that what if grizzle's the good place (laughs) 
<laughs> Did you see the um apparently there are some Parks and Rec Easter eggs mm-hmm. in the season two finale. Oh uh, really? Oh I, I I saw I've seen Easter eggs in season one. There's a um a, something that's labeled Swanson. Ooh. Yeah, there was like a Oh a Jean, safe. It's a safe. There was a Jean Ralphio uh reference in season two. Like really? on the magazine. It was like one of his products. It was like John Ralphio's. Oh blah, yeah, blah. there's like a lot of like connections that that Parks and Rec and the Good Place take place in the same what universe. If the Parks and Rec universe is the good place. Like what if this is the beginning of a Mike Schur <gasps> oh my God. extended universe? <laughs> and Sean is the oh lawyer God. in Parks and Rec who tries to take down who helps uh Miss Jean Ralphio's dad take down Tom. It all makes sense now. Wait, but does Brooklyn Nine-Nine also come into play? Um, oh, well, we know that New Girl and Brooklyn Nine-Nine take place in the same universe. So, <laughs> oh my god, is this like a giant sitcom extended universe? <laughs> oh my god. And then The Office is in there somewhere? Because Parks and Rec was supposed to be an Office spinoff. Supposed to be, and then it wasn't. And then it wasn't, but like, yeah. it could be. Yeah. Still. This the thing about this show is that like I feel like I've never done so much like theorizing with a mm-hmm. sitcom. Yeah. It reminds me of my lost days back when I would yes. read eight page recaps from Jeff Jensen on Entertainment Weekly and theorize about every tiny little nuance and detail. There you go. And that's what the good place has done to me. Because a lot of people were yes. pointing out in the finale that Chidi, when he's introduced to Eleanor the first time, says that no that he speaks French. Yeah. Um and that a lot of people were saying he doesn't speak French or even have a French accent in when he's in Australia and, and Eleanor goes to meet him or when he's when he's giving the video. So a lot of people are like, what if it's a simulation well, still? Yeah. I think it's not it's still a simulation. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah I don't I think they would that. change the order of time to like bring them back to life for real. Right. It's still I just mean, purgatory you never on really the way know. to a church. You, can't, you can never really say like Never say never on the show, cause like right, because like they were talking about how like it's never been done before, because <laughs> mm-hmm. so like they could have actually brought them back to life. Yeah, that's true. I, I I've learned not to rule anything out with the show because exactly. it always completely surprises me, and that's one of my favorite things about watching this show. Because what I was in season two, the premiere, we thought go at the end of season one that we were just going to go through the same, not same, but like just the, like one reboot, one reboot of like them finding out it's the bad place again. Yeah. But then they just keep it, that episode goes through eight, or at least the second one of the first episodes it's of the season. Episode. It's the first episode goes through eight hundred and four reboots. Yeah, and then and it's and that's what causes all of the. It's the inciting incident of season two. It's crazy. It's crazy, like how fast they're moving. Yeah. First off, like in any other show, like it would have taken them like three seasons to get to the bad place. Yeah. Like it's crazy how just how fast they're moving, and like clearly Mike sure has a plan. And, like, where they're going if they're moving so fast. There has to be, like, so much material they've talked about that we just have no idea. Exactly. It's amazing. I love this show so much. Yeah. So I also... Can we mention just a quick shout-out to Derek? Derek! Derek! <laughs> uh, Jason Manzoukas. J- Jason Manzoukas. That's how you say his last mm-hmm. name. He's... When he appeared on that show, I, like, I screamed because I did not <laughs> expect that. And he was... Just he stole every scene in like the brief two he episodes really that he was in. But I love it because he's he's something Janet made to get over Jason. So like the irreverency that we see in the Good Place, it's like honed to its purest form in Derek. Derek, I'm Derek. <laughs> you know, actually, I was thinking that Derek is very like internet humor almost, and mm. I feel like the Good Place is really well catered towards like our digital age humor. I guess like almost internet. Very, very fast, very quick, and and uh, snappy internet 
web humor mm-hmm. that we see. Vine, mm-hmm. Vine-based. Mm-hmm. But it's still smart. It's yeah. not, not just like Vine, essentially. But it's still like it builds and it creates a foundation, which is why it's like an almost interesting like amalgamation of web humor and traditional sitcom humor. Mm-hmm. Completely agreed. So... I think that's a good way to wrap up our Good Place discussion. It's a great show. If you haven't watched it yet, the entire first season is on Hulu. No, it's on, oh, Nef- on Netflix. On Netflix. It's and on I, Netflix. And the last, the most recent five episodes are on uh, Hulu right now. Mm-hmm. So you might have to wait if you need to catch up with season two um, to watch it when it gets to Netflix. But it's worth the wait. Worth the wait, definitely. <laughs> so let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. Anya, why don't you start us off this week? What do you really like? So you guys can just keep it. Just keep it. Oh. So what I'm really liking is Ira Madison III's brand new podcast on Crooked Media, Keep It. Oh, I've been listening to that too. It's so great. Ira is a entertainment and culture critic for the daily beast and he became known for just like things that had happened in like hollywood that like he didn't want he would just say keep it he just said don't make this happen just keep it no one wants it and so he created a podcast based around that and it's so much fun because ira is one of our great writers and minds out there right now in this world and so hearing him just like riff on topics every week is so much fun. It's a very loose podcast. They just kind of go through different bits of information in every episode. There's no real structure. Um, and it's him and his friends and they just chat about entertainment. They always have, they mostly have good takes. I have to disagree with Ira on his review of the shape of water, but mostly. Wait, what do you say I, about shape of water? He thought it was he silly like it. and not in a good yeah. way. He thought it was like silly and not self-aware and which I don't agree with, but most of the time he has great taste. Well, you know what, he Ira? Can, he keep can keep it. it. <laughs> exactly. So I'm just loving this podcast. I'm loving, you know, like journalists kind of getting their own platforms more and more, like becoming these individual voices and not just like part of the publication they write for. Well, that's because and... everyone's switching to video anyway. Pivot to, video. pivot to video like like pivot to, pivoting to video lost a lot of mtv jobs yep i think that's why and I you know what pivoting to video beast, or he left right before it. yeah keep it keep it keep video i don't want it give me Actually, that he had a podcast word. on mtv and they dropped it because they, really? they cut off they cut all their and most of their um podcasts wow happy sad confused which is josh horowitz's podcast was its own thing before was he uh started using uh um and uh, he did it before he came under the MTV umbrella, and then they dropped all their podcasts, including Iris' old mm. podcast, and then um, and then he just went back to being like his normal thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, for a while it was like an MTV publication. I thought it was still was, but no, no. Huh. huh? But yeah, so I'm loving it, loving all his takes, and loving the humor and the freshness of it all. And all I really need next is David Ehrlich to start a podcast about Paddington and then like he'll my life it, will be set. He'll call it Carol. Caroling with David Ehrlich. Or or Paddington. <laughs> I those are both really clever. I just wanted him to make an episode where he just talks about like Carol and Paddington all the time. <laughs> like I love you, David Ehrlich, if you're listening. I'm sure he's one of our 
1,000 <laughs> listeners of this podcast. I'm sure. sure. So that's what I'm liking this week. Yay. Yeah, awesome. Willoughby, what does your really like this week? The prequel to All the President's Men, also known as The Post. <laughs> I saw The Post this weekend, uh, this Friday. It's the new movie by Steven Spielberg. It stars Meryl Streep as Kay Graham and Tom Hanks as Brent Bradley. Arr, arr, arr. Dad grit. Um, and then you've got a whole who's who of celebrity, like minor su- supporting characters, including Michael Stuhlbarg, who's been in three movies this Oscar season. He was and in, still got snubbed for his the best role of as, this as Abe. Uh, so disappointing. In the post, yeah. <laughs> um, um, and so, uh, yeah, the post. I mean, it's everything you were you, you pretty much expect from like a Steven Spielberg movie about seventies journalism. It's got the right amount of, like, sentimentality and, like, um, nostalgia for, like, at the time when they were, like, everyone's, like, you know, like, trying to, you know, like... Gung-ho. Gung-ho and scrappy and, like, doing things they shouldn't be doing. Like, the they sent the intern to the New York Times to, like, to, like, see what the, the New York Times is up to. Okay. That's really funny because as a Washington Post intern... Oh, yeah. I did something similar. Not go to the New York Times, but right. they sent me at one point to investigate... <laughs> Um, some break-in that happened at Georgetown University. I was going to say, at the because, Watergate Hotel? <laughs> no, it's because I, like, or something was stolen, I can't remember. And um, because I look like a student, they're like, hey, go on to the Georgetown University dorm where, like, this happened and just, like, ask questions. And I'm like, I don't have Amazing. an ID. I can't go around. That's fascinating. So did you, I, did you I did. go? So I did. went, of course. Nice. I went and I, was, <laughs> I just hung around and talked to people and, like, snuck into a building. That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, I love, this is yeah. my favorite story now and um so and i really like how they recreated the interior of the washington post like at least from what you remember from the all the presidents men like ben bradley's office looked like how it was a year later when that when the that went down um and i really like you know what it what what they were all the themes about protecting the first amendment and uh censorship and you know the pentagon papers and like all of that and how uh we like releasing them was is like a good thing because we got because like before that like no one knew like the extent that we were like into Vietnam is wild um, and also uh, Anya your boy is in it as Daniel Ellsberg which boy I have so many she boys. has a lot of boys you're the Americans boy <gasps> really yeah he's Daniel Ellsberg I love Matthew Reese. Matthew Reese, actually, he's really good. He opens the movie, yeah. actually. If you didn't know the movie was about Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep, you would have thought the movie was going to be about him. He has such a great face. So, like, during that entire opening sequence, I was just like, Matthew Reese has such a good face. Like, yeah. it's so he brooding, does. and there's so many he, emotions that, like, turmoil under the surface. Yeah. Like, you can really tell that, like, he when he, when he heard Bob McNamara lying to the American public, he was like, that's it. I've had it with the American <sighs> Government. Oh, I'm so ex- okay. I, and yeah, so, like, I it really yeah, made I'm me. Re- so it was like because it takes place in 1971, and the Americans, I believe, they were there by that time. So, is it a crossover? We don't know. Ooh. Is Daniel Ellsberg actually rushing for the working <gasps> for the Russians? Who he knows? might be. He might actually Maybe. be Philip. But like <gasps> the amount of like espionage and spy stuff that was happening, like with him, like trying to get the rant, the the documents out, was very much reminded me of the Americans because like he was at a hotel, he had the copies. Um, oh, I'm excited. And then okay, you get Bob. And then you get Bob Odenkirk, who's like his buddy at the who works at the washington post like doing this whole thing the post is basically just a who's who of all the great character actors of today Mm -hmm. 
just chewing all the scenery as, like, when Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep aren't chewing the scenery. Right. And they're so good. It's so good. It's 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 a lot of uh, dudes in white sh- uh, short sleeve button downs. Well, Carrie with, Coon's there, and too. And glasses. And Carrie Coon. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, but for the most part, dudes in white shirts and glasses, yeah, like running all, around. They're all so good. It's yeah. so riveting. It's, it's like the best actors of our day working with the best director of our day. And Carrie Coon delivers like a really great, powerful moment in the climax, which is great. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, Anya, I'm really surprised you haven't seen it yet. It's so good. It's I know. Right up your alley. It's just I've just I been seeing so many other things. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, remember, post. I'm trying to let the pressure get to me. Just doing things my own way. Do it at your own pace. Mm -hmm. Watch what you want to see. Speaking of things that I wanted to see, uh, my really like for this week is a little show called The Alienist. It's a TNT drama set in the 19th century century New York City. And it follows this alienist who basically is uh, a... Extraterrestrial? (laughs) No. Not an extraterrestrial. He it basically examines like the um, mental. He's basically illness. like a psychiatrist, like a psychiatrist, essentially. Like, and he becomes essentially like the first FBI criminal profiler, not FBI criminal profile, just like criminal profiler in general. And um, he and his team of um, I don't want to say sidekicks, but like uh, ragtag group of ragtag group of misfits, his cohorts. Yes, played as a Laszlo is played by Daniel Brühl, who is a a fantastic actor who I've been wanting to see break out in America and Hollywood for the longest time because he's so talented. I have had a crush on him ever since I saw him in Goodbye Lennon, and I was like, he's going to be a star. Did he play Lennon? And he's finally... He's finally not playing a villain. He's not playing a Nazi. <laughs> or so a Sokovian uh, army vet. He's who, not playing a Nazi. Who has or, it out for the Avengers. He's not playing a Nazi villain or a villain who's coded as a Nazi. <laughs> exactly. He is the hero, and that's what's amazing about it is that he and Luke Evans are sort of like the main pair of this and Luke Evans is the sort of stoic classically handsome guy that you would um, assume to be the lead in this kind of show but he's actually sort of the bumbling supporting character and he does he does a completely vanity free performance in this because he's it's just wonderful. like it's is really he great. like is he like the Watson to the Holmes of he's basically Dinobol? the Watson to the Holmes it's a very Sherlock Holmesian type and instead of show. being like a doctor he's an illustrator He's an illustrator. It's adorable. And he gets really sad whenever he sees dead bodies. He starts like, he's like, what kind of man would do this? What kind of <laughs> messed up mind? He's so great. He's a really pure character who you wouldn't expect in this kind of really gritty, um, gory show. So it's essentially about this team that's pursuing a serial killer who is targeting uh, young boys who have been, um, who either have like, sort of more feminine tendencies or are gay and um it is incredibly gory it kind of reminds me actually of the gore and sort of the the atmosphere of hannibal uh brian fuller's tv series uh starring maz mickelson and um it's kind of a cross between hannibal and true detective and um what was the other show that i like compared it to Oh, I guess Peaky Blinders in a way too, kind of that that whole mishmash yeah. of all of those three, and it's really it's really great. I'm really happy to see Dakota Fanning back on the screen because she's kind of taking a backseat to her sister Elle Fanning, and she's great in it. Even though she's she's a little wooden in a couple for a little bit of it, but because uh, but I like her, she's still good. And um, 
you do see a young uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Really? Okay, yeah. I'm intrigued. Yeah, because he was New York Police Commissioner. He was commissioner. Yeah. yeah, so he plays actually a, a sort of vital role. Why didn't you lead with that? I'm sorry. I know. I'm, now I'm like thinking. I'm like, man, we should have told Willoughby that in the beginning. Yeah, that's a Willoughby sort of angle. For me, I was like, oh yeah, Teddy Roosevelt's here, working as New York Police Commissioner before he yeah, enters I'm more his like, political ooh, career. Yeah, I'm like, ooh, like period drama and intrigue and twisted. You're yeah. telling me there's a period. I'm like Daniel Brule. Are you telling me that there's a period drama with intrigue and crime and corruption with Teddy Roosevelt as the Police Commissioner of Gotham City, and I haven't been told about this yeah. yet? Yeah, essentially. Yeah, so Willoughby, you should check it out. Why don't I have TNT anymore? Yeah, it's two episodes in. I don't know whether it's on any streaming device. I was gonna say, how do you, how do you guys watch it? Do you watch it on cable? I've been watching it on cable. Okay. Yeah. Because I don't. We don't have cable anymore. We just have internet. I'm sorry. Cut the so. cord. Yeah. We did cut the cord. As, but if, as every millennial yeah, yeah. does. But maybe I don't know what TNTs. Anya, how did you watch Will? Did you watch Will on streaming or on cable? We watch it on streaming, but on TNT streaming app on our Roku. You can probably find... Did you have to log in with your cable internet provider? Yeah. Fuck. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll figure it out. Maybe Amazon has the episodes. Yeah, maybe maybe it'll show up on uh, Netflix or Hulu or Amazon at some point once the season's over. Oh, maybe Hulu. Um... And it's just a limited series, so like, yeah. Yeah. It, oh, well, cool. There shouldn't be a second season. My because my problem is I got to figure out how I'm going to watch Atlanta. Yeah, that's true. It's which I'm also very excited for. But that will lead into our next episode, which we'll yeah, talk about. Yeah, that's yeah. a good preview a little, for next little, week's episode. A little tease for yeah. next week. We're going to talk about exactly. the most, our most anticipated TV of uh, 2018. So stay tuned, or rather, 2018 winter, I guess you would say, because we haven't gone into fall yet. Yeah. So yeah, we're not really talking about fall shows yeah. yet. Stay tuned not for ready that. For that. All right. Uh, so that is our episode and a tease for next week. If you guys have any thoughts on The Good Place, The Post, The Alienist, or Ira Madison's Keep It, come chat with us. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our SoundCloud, um, or our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. And you can listen to us on SoundCloud and rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play. And where can they find you guys? You can find me at htranbui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye.